0: hey Element church how you doing
1: all right great worship great worship time and uh worship's not over sometimes we think that uh okay preacher's got the message so worship is over the whole service is worship you know we get to we get to respond to god with our hearts toward him and in our prayers and in our music and then and then we get to um respond to to God by listening to his voice speaking back at us and that's what uh, i'm here to share with you uh, tonight it's good to be at element city church and my wife and i here carol we were here the first uh, sunday that you guys opened up in this venue here and so we just we love what you're doing Uh, god's doing a great work here and i know jack uh, uh, just met Brian tonight for the first time. Known Jack for, uh, like he said, at least three years and he's a dear brother, man of God, real blessing. And, and Jack and, and Brian, the leadership here, uh, just uh, gotta be committed for just doing a, a, a great work here in, in getting this church up and going and, and the many lives that are being touched. Well, tonight I want to uh, share with you a message that fits right in with the Father's Day theme. And uh, if you wanna put the uh, title up there, if I have a title up there, which I don't know if I do. Um, is it up there? You can see it? Okay, I, I can't see anything from here. So I don't know if that's supposed to be. But uh, I wanted to contrast the Father in Heaven with uh, the, our Father on Earth. Because I think it's really important to do this because how we perceive our Heavenly Father uh, affects everything about us affects everything about us. If we go through life with a warped view of God, an inaccurate view of of God, it is definitely gonna affect our faith journey. It'll affect everything about us. And a lot of people go through life with an inordinate view of God or a distorted view of God uh, simply because uh, it's the way they've been brought up or how they've come to view God. And we form our concept of God really very early in life, in those formative years, especially from those in authority over us because God is the ultimate authority, right? And so we tend to think of those who are in authority us, uh, over us when we're really small as kind of godlike in a way. And for good or ill, our earthly father, or our stepdad or father figure, whatever your life experience has been, will have a a tremendous impact on our view of God the Father as we begin to learn about Him. You know, you get to know God later in life. When you're three, four, five, six, seven, you begin to form this view of this unseen God, Uh, you really form Him through the grid of your father and mother. So this is crucial because knowing the true nature of God is vital for every aspect of a person's life. So, and I want to give you some for instances. Uh, For instance, if you had an absent father growing up, I mean, he was either working all the time and didn't have time for you or there was a divorce of mom and dad and he left early and you didn't grow up with him or he visited you, you know, you're with him on weekends or or you may not even have that much of a relationship with him at all. What happens is we we tend to grow up thinking that God is distant. I mean, we, we think that maybe he's uncaring as well and uninterested in our life. If we grew up uh, as a child in an abusive home, perhaps uh, uh, a father who was demeaning with his words or he was physically abusive, we will tend to think of God as one who punishes, uh, one who is to be feared. And I don't mean feared in in the sense that the Bible often uses as, uh, you know, uh, the fear of God is the idea of God's awe and respect. Uh, No, you're afraid of him. And so there's a fear that if I step out of line, I'm going to get nailed. And we can grow up that way, thinking that God is that way. Um, we get this idea in our head that God will punish us just like Dad did. And let's say you have you grew up and you were fortunate enough to grow up in a loving, caring, embracing home. Your father was embracing. Was, he was physical with you. He... he um, uh, you will tend to think of God as, as a loving God, a God you could get close to and feel good about being close to. Um, if you had a demean, demeaning father again, uh, then there's a demeaning God, of God that would put you down. God doesn't, doesn't think much of you. Uh, we could go on here. If you had a father uh, figure that listened to you, that spent time with you and really cared about your life, you will tend to think that God cares about your life and that he will listen to you. And so you probably, if you had that kind of father, in terms of your prayer life, you feel like you're really connecting with God. If you had a father that had little time for you, you'll feel like God has, God isn't really that interested in me. He's got other more important things to do than me. See what I'm saying? I may go on and on in this, in this picture, but you get the, get the idea. And the truth is, as fathers, and I'm sure there's a number of fathers here tonight, um, we all fall short. So no one is going to give the perfect image of the Heavenly Father. We're all going to come. Show, but, but some of us have been so blessed to, to have fathers who um, were, had held a lot of attributes of, of Almighty God. And so when, when it came time for our own faith journey, it wasn't that big a leap. Uh, In my case, I had a a father who had a rough life growing up, Uh, came out of a situation where his folks, his mom divorced and remarried at least two times, and he wasn't close to his dad. His dad didn't really want to be close to him, and uh, one of the uh, results of that is that my dad never told me he loved me, and he couldn't hug me. He just couldn't. Hug, And it came from, kind of from a generation where, you know, generation is hard for to, to show that kind of affection. And so I grew up with that. And all I'm saying is that you can look at your own life and see where, where you have been affected by whatever, you know, your parents have, have gone through and how it can affect your relationship with God. So what I wanna do right now is take a look at both the Old Testament and the New Testament and show you what God is really like. Because we, we tend to go to Christianity or go to faith or go to the Bible with a preconceived idea of what God is like, and what if it's wrong? What if we live in our whole, I talked to a, a lady this morning. She said, I have struggled with God my whole life, and I, I preached this morning a similar message to this, and she said, I've, just, I've heard something about God that I just, I, I've never really got in touch with before because my dad hated me from the day I was born until the day he died. What a tragedy. And she went into kind of why, and it, oh man, I felt so bad for her, but she felt this, she struggled in a relationship with God the Father, because as a result of it. Here's the real picture of God, from the, first from the Old Testament. Um, well, wait a minute, let me start with the new, in terms of what Jesus said uh, to his disciples. Uh, One day, in a place where Jesus had just finished praying, one of his disciples requested, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. In other words, help us to understand how to talk to God. We want to to develop a relationship with him. And Jesus told him, he says, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be thy name, be your name, Uh, the Lord's prayer. But he starts off saying, well, Disciples, I want you to view God as your father. I want you to know him as your father. The kind of father uh, everyone really needs. The kind of father everyone can have. I I want you to, you are a son and a daughter. We're trying to teach this familial relationship with this awesome almighty God out there that God wants to come in and personally relate to all of us. So I thought that was interesting, you know? That they say, teach us how to pray, and the first thing Jesus says is, treat that great mighty God out there as your Father. Let's look at the Old Testament. Uh, From Isaiah 64, we see this, but now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter, and all of us are the work of your hands. And so Isaiah says, you know, we're we're clay, and, and, and Father? You take us up and, and mold us and shape us in the way that y- you, f- you, you feel is best. And it is that way we, as earthly fathers and mothers, uh, are to take and help shape our children's character in terms of their growth. Um, also, Moses with God on Mount Sinai says this. Um, Here's Moses up there on the mountain with God, and it says, the Lord descended in the cloud. This is from Exodus 34. The Lord descended in a cloud, stood there with him as he called upon the name of the Lord. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed. And this is the Lord speaking. This is the Lord describing himself. You know, people think that, too many people think that, well, the God of the Old Testament is a God of justice and judgment. He's warlike, and, he's, uh, he, and, and the God of New Testament got a love, totally different, God of love and kindness. And so they, they think that the God of the Old Testament is so different than the God of the Old, and that's not true. And there's one passage that indicates that. It says, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who, who keeps loving kindness for thousands who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. Wow. That's the kind of God that God is. And that's Old Testament. A gracious God, a compassionate God. He's slow to anger. So grateful, aren't you, that he's slow to anger? So grateful that he's patient with us because we trip up and slip up and fall up and mess up, goof up so often. <laughs> and yet... The Bible says he'll never leave us or forsake us. He's the God who doesn't leave. He's the God who always stays with us, even when we're not the way we ought to be, because he's so gracious, loving, compassionate. Unconditional is his love. Pretty amazing. The prophet Jeremiah writes about what God is thinking, and it's interesting to find a passage, what what God is actually thinking, and then God thinks Thinking out loud, Jeremiah 3.19. Speaking of those called out to be his own, uh, the Jewish nation, specifically he's talking to the Jewish nation, but really it, that expands to, to all of God's children here. Uh, it says, God said this, I thought to myself, I would love to treat you as my own children. Speaking to the Jewish people here. I wanted nothing more than to give you this beautiful land the finest possession in the world. I looked forward to your calling me Father, and I wanted you never to turn from me. Isn't that just God kind of exposing his own personal feelings? That's really being intimate with people. And that's the way he is toward us. But you see, he, he says, I, I look forward to you calling me Father. Do you know when you go to God and you say, dear Father, that means something to him? He likes to hear that, he likes to hear that. Uh, Carol and I just got back from California yesterday and we were in, there with three of our sons um, and uh, we kind of celebrated Father's Day and, but often I'm hearing them you know, just converse with me and calling me dad uh, and it's just such an endearing term and it, it just feels good even on the phone today uh, conversion with, uh, with them, uh, expressing their love and, and, and using the term dad. Well, we're created in God's image. God feels many of the things we feel. He loves being called father, daddy. He loves it. Let's look at God in the New Testament, what God is like in the New Testament. Uh, 2 Corinthians 1, three and four. Praise be to God and f- the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those who are uh, in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have, been, have, have received from God. So here we see God is compassionate. He's a God who desires to comfort us. And boy, you know, all of us go through hard times. Uh, you know, inevitably we're, we're gonna go through uh, situations that are much bigger than we are and gonna drive us to our knees. It's gonna cause us to question and wonder and doubt and fear and feel all kinds of feelings. And, and God cares about that and he's there to comfort us. He's a compassionate God. I'm just telling you who God really is, not the God we might have gained a, an idea of. That's who God is. Oh, there's so many people I wish knew this God who maybe grew up in situations where they think God is something other than this. Don't you know them? You know these people. You know, they're just, they're, 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 they're lonely, maybe depressed, maybe suicidal. They're in a, in a situation where, where they feel so alone and yet God is there. He's actually there with his arms stretched out saying, hey, I'm here, come come wow in john 1 uh, verse 1 and 14 we read this in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god and the word became flesh and dwelt among us so the word here is none other than the son of god jesus so in the beginning as far back as you can remember in the beginning the beginning of the beginning uh, the word was there, and this word was with God. This is this, Trini- this mystery of the Trinity idea. And this uh, passage actually says that this word is actually God made flesh. This is uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so God, as we look at him, and God, this God the Father, uh, took on human flesh in the person of the Son. So we get to know what God is like um, through looking at the life and the teachings of Jesus Christ. So in John 1.18, it says this, no one has seen God at any time. And that, and that is God in essence. Remember, there's one God. It's this mystery of the Trinity again because we see Jesus. But yet there's one God and no one has seen God at any time. But the passage goes on to say, the only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. Now, the same verse in the NIV reads, no one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. So we get to know the very attributes of the Father in heaven through the Son. This is important because later on, Jesus says to his disciples in John 14, he said, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. I mean, if you really get to know me, you will know the father. From now on, you do know him, and you've seen him. You've seen him? So Philip says, "Uh, wait a minute. Lord, uh, show us the father, and, and, and that'll be enough for him. We haven't seen the father. And Jesus said, do you not believe that I am in the father, and the father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his work. Wow. In other words, you're looking, you're looking at the Father when you look at me. Because as John 10 verse 30 says, I and my Father are one. Amazing. In Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29 it says this, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am, and here's another attribute we learn about our Father in heaven, through Jesus, I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. It says, come to me because I'm gentle, I'm humble. This is amazing. This this incredible capacity of God that he can be the grand creator of the universe be uh, have have strength beyond measure have power and yet be so gentle it's this picture uh, of just a a strong capable uh, let's say male here holding a little baby in his arms uh, you've got this picture of strength and yet fragility in the in the baby you know that there's a tenderness in a father who cares for a vulnerable child like that. And I kinda see that image with how great God is and yet how sensitive and loving and kind. Well, I wanna, <clears throat> several ways I can go with this message in, in developing this. Um, but I wanted to uh, be really practical here and help you fathers and fathers-to-be uh, in terms of your own raising of your own children. and. Uh, Did you show that picture, by the way, of our sons? Did it get up there? I don't know if it got up there. We've we've raised four boys, Carol and I, uh, through the years. And uh, so, uh, you know, I know a little bit about fathering and probably emphasis on the little. Uh, It's challenging and humbling, uh, to say the least. And our own kids are, some of our own uh, boys are raising children themselves. But I wanted to share with you some times when a father resembles the Heavenly Father. So here we go. Number one, when strength meets tenderness. Isaiah 40, 11. This is talking about God who tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. So uh, here is God Almighty tender this is a beautiful picture of uh, it's it's kind of a um a female picture of of, uh, of of god here of one who just tenderly gathering chicks together so to speak and here it is lambs but he's gathering them in his arms and carries them close to his heart and the word again is gently leading those that have young In the New Testament, in Mark, it says, people were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them. There's something about Jesus that was attractive. You know, children children will run from somebody that that looks kind of scary or uninterested or uncaring. Jesus had, uh, you know, a persona about him that drew drew children to him. They wanted to kind of hang around him and he allowed them and he touched them what a beautiful picture. So uh, the picture that we want to present to our children is even though we, we, we have that strength as a, as a man, as a male in that, we ought to have tenderness too with our children. Also, when discipline meets control, when discipline meets control, uh, you know, the 23rd Psalm says, you know, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Really? Yeah, because God's not abusive. He will discipline us. And we all need to be disciplined. All children need to be disciplined. But it's done under, with control. It's, done, it's not overdone. Uh, there's no abuse going on. I mean, the discipline may hurt. And it's, it's supposed to in terms of uh, curbing the, you know, uh, the bad behavior and all of that. But it's under control. And so David said, your rod and your staff, they actually are a comfort to me. Uh, they may be a pain for me and I don't like it, but I know it's right for me and it's good for me. Uh, Hebrews 10 or 12:10, our fathers disciplined us as seemed best to them. So our fathers may have not gotten it right. Uh, some of our fathers, they did the best they could with what they had to work with. Some, some fathers were abused when they grew up. And so then they have kids. And the first thing they go to is either abuse or the opposite. And they, they tend to not be disciplinarians at all, because they're going too far the other way. So uh, a question for us is, is discipline controlled, consistent, and commensurate with the offense. Because that's crucial in terms of child rearing and the way god disciplines us it's that way it's controlled it's consistent and it's commensurate with the offense Uh, colossians 321 says fathers do not exasperate your children so that they don't lose heart and that has to do with with harsh being harsh and harsh discipline Um, so we need to be aware of a couple of things Beware of overcompensating from abuse or lack of dis- discipline. In other words, if you've been abused or, you, or there was no discipline, that you don't overcompensate and go too far the other way. There is a balance, and I believe that the word actually helps teach us what that balance is. Um, we want to beware of living through our children vicariously. Uh, I just say that because I was a baseball coach for a number of years with our four boys, okay? I was in Little League forever, uh, bringing our kids through that. And every so often I'd see coaches who had their son on the team and they were just expecting him to become what they did not become. See, that father wished that he had made it this far in a sports career. So now he wants, he, he just demands that that son fulfill the dream that he never produced. It can happen, it does happen. It can happen in music, it can happen in sports, it can happen in a number of areas. Be careful what's driving you or what's driving you in terms of driving your children. Number three, when leadership meets servanthood, you re- you're resembling the Father in heaven. Uh, John 13. You call me teacher and Lord, and and you're right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. And Mark 10.45 says, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. So we as fathers and mothers should serve our children to find ways to to serve what is the best way to serve them. And there's humility in that. And so there's there's an aspect of humility in parenting, though we are to be in a place of authority and uh, we should be respected in terms of that position, uh, we're also humble and looking for ways to serve the needs of our children. So we become a student of, uh, amen, we become a student of our wife, student of our children. We learn to discern how God wants you to, how how God wants us to minister to them. And we consider them as more important than ourselves. You only get one shot at parenting. And it goes by so fast, I mean, you can't believe how fast it goes. And we want to prioritize. And we live in an age where many parents, both of them are working, working full time, they come home, they're tired, and they can hardly parent at all. And it's uh, it's sad. I realize there's economic difficulties in our times, but uh, what it's caused to children is, is not positive. And so somehow we need to put our best energies toward the raising of our children because there'd be no more, uh, nothing more important that we could do in our life than parenting those that God has, where we brought them into into life. Got to be a priority. Um, Number four, when promises are kept. When promises are kept, First Samuel, or uh, 2 Timothy 2.13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. God is faithful, trustworthy. So should we. Um, First Samuel 15.29. He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind for he is not a human being that he should change his mind. (laughs) You know, some of you say God can do anything. Well, there's things God can't do. He can't lie. He can't die. <laughs> you know, we need to be trustworthy as parents. If we say we're going to show up at the sporting event or whatever it might be, we need to the recital. But we need to we need to make every effort to be there because that child, you know, our word is our bond. So to speak, you know we. We need to, be, uh, to show that we can be trusted. And I realize that life happens, you know. I mean, flat tires happen and, and, and unexpected things come up. Um, but on the whole, we need to be trustworthy and follow through. Because why? Because we want to present an accurate view of what God is like when our kids come to know him and develop a relationship with him. That's the point of, of all of this. So show up for the game or the play or the recital. I want to be trustworthy. Then finally, when acceptance is not tied to performance. When when you're accepted for who you are because of who you are, not because of what you do or don't do. And this is unconditional love. This is the way God loves us when it's not tied to having to perform. Interesting verse in uh, Luke 3.22 where Jesus begins his public ministry, okay? He hasn't done a thing yet in terms of the three-year ministry. He hasn't entered into public ministry yet. First time we hear of him. And God speaks for the first time actually in 400 years. So from, the New, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. This is the first time actually God speaks in the New Testament. And he speaks to Jesus and he says, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Well, he hadn't begun his ministry yet. And yet God the Father is pleased with God the Son. Wow. When uh, I, I, I didn't have a real close relationship with my dad, he worked three jobs. He worked night, night, the night graveyard shift for years and years, and years. I had to be really quiet during the daytime. But when I got to the age of about eight, eight years old, and uh, began to be able to throw a baseball, he loved baseball. So he connected with me, and we began to play catch. And then he began to be my coach in little league, and pony league, and all star league, and and Babe Ruth league, and. Uh, college he was always at the game semi-pro he was my coach I mean there we connected the thing about my dad is when I began to be about eight years old he his name for me was champ hey champ let's go we got to get to practice I was a champ before I did anything in his mind and when I had a lousy game and I did uh, he's a champ I'll tell you what Next game, we gotta concentrate on next game and let's do that. You can, you can learn from your mistakes, champ. I, I, and, and I didn't know God yet. But I'm telling you something. When I came to know the Lord, uh, I understood unconditional love. That I was accepted in God's eyes, not because of what I did, but because of who I was. And I hope you have that. I hope you have that. I'd like you to, we're gonna close and pray before we... Have the opportunity for communion this morning or this this <laughs> this afternoon. Um, I'd like us all to read together. I'm gonna step up here and read it with you because I don't have the notes. See if I can do that. Uh, go ahead and go to the next slide if we've got it. Yeah, I want us all to read this out loud. Okay, together. This is this is from you know Psalm 139. This is a prayer of David's that he prayed to the Lord, and it really, it's our prayer too. It's our prayer too, so let's pray it, and then uh, we'll just move right into communion, where we get to touch the elements that represent the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is God in human flesh. All right, together. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. Speak up now. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness, somehow that's a double. All right, next. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Father in heaven, we just, we love you. We thank you for your gracious, loving kindness. We thank you that we can come to know who you really are through your written revelation. And so take away the distortions that anyone has in this room of who you are, and may they embrace the real God, the real loving, precious Father in heaven who loves us so much. And we pray all of this in the great name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.